Well, good morning to everyone. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll continue our study in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Before we begin, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how thankful we are for this morning that you have appointed to us to be able to gather together to worship your matchless name. And Father, I pray that is what you enable us to do this morning, to worship you. Father, I beg of you that you would deliver us from just going through the motions and the habit of religion and to truly worship thee. Father, bless us with your spirit. Bless us with your presence. Mix faith with everything that is said and done here this morning that, that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, Father, I pray his name would be exalted, that he would be lifted up and, and magnified, that you give your people eyes to see him, eyes to look to Christ and to, to see him and believe on him. Have our hearts comforted and assured and calmed and not looking to the things of this world, not looking to the activity of our flesh, but looking to the Savior. Cause our hearts to be like the disciples of old who were on that sea, tossed to and fro, but when they saw the Savior, all was calm. And what we pray for ourselves, Father, we pray for your people, wherever they might meet together today. Bless your word, Father. We pray for your glory and for the good of your people. Show us your glory in this dark, dark day, and especially in this hour, we pray. For it's in Christ's name, for his sake and his glory, we pray. Amen. All right, I've titled our lesson this morning, Created Unto Good Works. In our text, we're just going to look at one verse, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, sovereign gracers like us get very reluctant to talk about good works, don't we? We want to be very careful that we don't start trusting any of our salvation, earning it or keeping it to our good works. We're very reluctant to talk about our good works. And, and we should want to be very careful not to give somebody the impression that some part of our salvation is dependent upon our good works or comes from our good works. We know this. If God has saved you, you know this. None of our salvation, before conversion or after conversion, none of our salvation is because of any good work that we've done. None. And every work that we do, if we're doing work trying to make ourselves more righteous or more saved or we're trying to do a good work, to put ourselves on a higher spiritual plane. Do you know that's not a work of righteousness at all? That's not a good work at all. You know what God calls it? A filthy rag. A rag that's polluted with our sin. A rag that offends God. Those works we do trying to make God happy with us, they don't make God happy with us. They offend God. They, they make Him angry. And here's why. Because if we're doing the work trying to make ourselves more saved, or, or, or we're doing a work trying to make ourselves more blessed of God. Oh, if I do this, God will bless me. Or if I do this, I'll be more accepted of God, you know, than I would otherwise. You know what that's saying? That's saying Christ alone is not enough to save me. Christ alone is not enough to cause God to bless me. Christ alone is not enough to make me accepted 
of the Father. So we should be careful. And, and you know, uh, sovereign gracers are careful when we talk about good works. We don't want to take any credit for them. But we shouldn't shy away from good works either. Look at Titus chapter 3 for a moment. You know, good works are an important part of the believer's life. And Paul tells us here that God's servants should preach that truth. Look what he says in Titus 3 verse 7. That being justified by his grace. Now that's how we're justified. That's how we're saved. That's how we're made without sin. It's by God's grace. We should be made heirs according to the hope. Not something we've earned. The hope, the expectation of eternal life because of what Christ has done for us. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now Paul says here God's servant, if he's God's servant, should constantly affirm these things. Number one, we're justified by grace. That's what we're constantly to affirm this truth. We're justified by grace without our works. But the believer should also be careful to maintain good works. We're to do good works with the right attitude and the right motive. Now, if the Lord saved us, there's going to be a difference in our lives. And, of course, it won't be perfect. Nobody's saying you're perfect. You know, we, we talk about the believer having two natures, one that's totally sinful and one that's perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, and can never sin. Of course, Nobody in their right mind is saying that makes the believer sinless or able to do something perfectly. We're not, we're not perfect. We're still in this body of flesh, this body of sinful, vile flesh. But if God's caused a new man to be born in us, there will be a difference. There will be a difference. We won't be, we're, we're not going to be perfect now, but we won't be what we once were. We won't be. It, it, it's impossible. impossible. Now let me take this opportunity to warn you. There will be a difference. If, if God saved you, there will be a difference. But don't look for evidence of your salvation in your good works. Don't ever say, oh, I did that, you know, so, th- so that means I'm saved. No, sir. The only evidence we have of salvation is faith in Christ. The only evidence you have of salvation is looking to Christ. He is all of our salvation. But still yet, if Christ has saved us, now we're not looking to our our changed walk for evidence of salvation. But if Christ has saved us, there's going to be a changed walk. There has to be. Paul said in verse 1, you were dead. Now you're alive. Well, a person who's living does something very differently than a man that's dead. There has to be a difference if God made you alive. In verse 2, he said, "You, you used to walk after Satan. Now you're following Christ. Now you're looking to Christ. There's there's got to be a difference. Christ and Satan are opposite ends of the spectrum. If now you're following Christ, there's going to be a change walk. In verse 3, Paul said, You used to have your citizenship in the lust of your flesh, but now you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. There's got to be a difference. Got to be. He also said in verse 3, You used to be children of wrath. Used to be children that deserved God's wrath and used to be children that hated God. Now, by God's grace, you love God, don't you? You love God. Then there should be a difference. You know, if you're controlled by hate, you're doing something very differently than if you're directed by love, aren't you? So there has to be a changed walk. 
Now, if you look at Mark chapter 14, before we look at our text, I want to show you something. This is the one and only thing that our Savior ever called a good work while he was on earth. Mark 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, you may do, do them good. But me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done will be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now the our Savior called what this woman did a good work. First thing about this work, this woman took this precious ointment. What is a good work? What is this? This tells us what a good work is. She took this precious ointment and she poured it out on the body of Christ our Savior. And the Lord called it a good work. A good work is done, to, something is done to help the body of Christ. And who is the body of Christ? His people. A good work is something that you do to help God's people. Number two, the Lord said, I, lo I just love this. He says she did what she could. Maybe she couldn't do a lot, but she did what she could. And the Lord called it a good work. Now, if the Lord lays something on your heart to do, do it. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Don't think, oh, you know, people think that's done. People think that's not enough. There's so much more that needs to be done. That, that's not enough. People think that's not enough. People murmured, murmured against this woman too, didn't they? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what people think. Do what you can. Don't worry about what you can't do. Do what the Lord has enabled you to do. I promise you, it'll be a blessing to somebody. Third, this woman did what she did, the Lord said, to anoint his body for burial. She knew she wouldn't be able to later. Now this is very interesting. How often had the Lord talked about his death? Often, hadn't he? Matter of fact, he told him it was going to happen this very weekend. That's why we're going to Jerusalem on this trip, the Son of Man. It's going to be delivered over to the hands of the, the Jews and the Romans and, and be, be crucified. Rise again the third day. He told him it was going to happen this weekend on this trip to Jerusalem. And it seemed like nobody, none of the 12, you know, we think, oh, these men, you know, they're so learned. Not one of those 12 seems to understand the Lord's getting ready to die. But this woman does. How does she know that? How does she know to come and anoint the Lord's body for burial because she's just certain she won't be able to later? It's faith. She listened to what the Savior said and believed him. That's what faith is. A good work is a work done in faith. By faith in Christ. Not trying to gain something for yourself. It's faith in Christ. Love for Him and love for His people. 
Now I know this, salvation is by grace. It's by grace without our works. Our works do not contribute to it in any way whatsoever. But if God saved you by his grace, he's given you new nature. And that new nature will have a desire to work and to serve in the kingdom of God. It sure will. Look at Matthew chapter 5. And it's all right to feel that way. It's all right to feel like, you know, I want to do something to, to, to help the ministry, to, to help spread the gospel. I want to do something to help God's people. It's good you feel that way because that's what the Lord told us to do. <laughs> Whatever it is you can do by faith in Christ, do it for his glory, not yours. Look what the Savior says here, Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you for doing them. It's not what it says, is it? The Savior says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. <laughs> see, the motive for a good work is not our glory. If we're doing something so people say, look what a good Christian they are. Look how loving they are. Look how accepting they are. It's not a good work. But if the motive for our good work is the glory of our Savior, the Lord says that's a good work. And the Lord will accept it as a good work. And it will be a blessing to somebody else. All right, now back to our text. That's what the scripture teaches about good works. Now let's look at this, the verse in our text, word by word, and see if we can't learn something about good works. First, verse 10, Ephesians 2, Paul says, For we are his workmanship. Now that word workmanship, it means a work of God as the creator, as the creator. John Gill says that the word has to do, the primary meaning of the word has to do with a poem. Now I couldn't find that anywhere in the interest of full disclosure. I couldn't find that anywhere, but John Gill said it, so I tend to believe it. A believer is God's creation, and it's a beautiful creation, just like a, a, a poem is just, you know, a beautiful poem is a, it, it's a, the work of the creative mind I don't know anything about. I, I can't hardly rhyme two words together, you know, but somebody that can write a, a beautiful poem, it all fits together. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's what God has done in the salvation of his people. This is a beautiful work, and it is the creation of God alone. God's the one who elected a people to save. We didn't choose God. He chose us. That's a beautiful work, isn't it? God is the one who loved the people. We didn't love God. The only reason we love God now is he first loved us. God is the one who redeemed the people. God is the one that justified the people. Christ paid the debt for his people with his own precious blood. He obeyed the law for his people. God's the one who redeemed his people. God's the one who justified themselves. Our works can't contribute to be justified, be made without sin, because all we do is sin. God's the one who regenerated his people. God's the one that caused those people to be born again and to give them life. Your spiritual birth is the same way as your natural birth. What you have to do with either one? <laughs> your natural birth and your physical birth is all the work somebody else did that created you. God did that. And God is the one who calls his people to himself. The preacher can tell you, come to Christ till he's blue in the face. The only reason we ever come to Christ is the Father draws us to him. He calls us and draws us to Christ. 
And God's the one that preserves His people, protects His people, and keeps His people. We didn't do that. If God take His finger off of us, we'd fall away in a heartbeat, wouldn't we? If we're kept, it's because God kept us. If we're kept to the end, it's because God brought us all the way to the finish line. And when it's all said and done, God's the one that's going to glorify His people. And we're going to look back and say, we didn't do anything to contribute to any of this creation. God did it. All we're going to do eternity is praise God for what He's done. We're going to sing, He loved us. He washed us. He redeemed us. He generated us and He glorified us. Praise ye the Lord. He did it all. We're His workmanship. And here's why God did all of this. He say why he, he, he allowed Adam to fall and all of his race to fall in him so that Christ could come and redeem them. They're dead in sin. Christ came to give them life. He redeemed them and he glorified them. And the reason God did it all is throughout eternity he can show all creation his workmanship, his trophies of grace. And he's going to say, look what I redeemed. Look what I made. And all the glory is going to go to him. We're his workmanship, so he gets all the glory. All right, number two. A believer has been created. Created in Christ Jesus, Paul says. Now, a believer is a new creature, a new creation. He's a brand new man, a new nature, who's never a new man who's never existed before. Born of the Spirit of God. Just like our babies are born. Lord willing, in a few weeks, double G. That's what his papa calls him, double G. Grayson, Grayson Grubb is going to be here. Now, he's not somebody who existed before, made into a little baby. and No, he's a brand new person who's never been here before. That's who he is. The same thing happens when a believer is born of God. It's not this flesh remodeled. It's not like... Uh, some of those shows Janet watches. And I like flipping houses. You know, they knock down a few walls and paint a few walls and, you know, put in some new furniture and it looks all... That, that's just a remodel. God does not take this flesh and remodel it. Doesn't do it. This flesh is nothing but dead flesh. And it, it can't be anything else. If God saves His people, He leaves this flesh alone. That's why we're going to put it in the dirt someday. He leaves this flesh alone and He creates a brand new man. Born of his spirit. Born of his seed. The seed of the word of God. And that new man has a brand new nature. He's got the nature of Christ. Been made partakers of the divine nature. This word created. Created in Christ Jesus. Is the same word used in the New Testament. To describe how God created the world. Now when God created the world. Did he, did he take did He take a, a lump of mass that was already there and. And kind of, you know, change it and shake it up and make it... No. Space was an empty void. A black hole, I guess, if you will. And God spoke the world into existence. And something that was there was never there before. God spoke and animals were created. They were never here before. He just spoke them out of thin air. (laughs) God spoke and, and, and animals appeared and plants appeared. And they never were here before. He didn't take them out of dirt and make them into something. No, he spoke them into existence. That's creation. The same thing's true, the new nature that's in a believer. God speaks it into existence and was never here before. 
Let me show you that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians five and verse seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new that word is often translated creation. He's a new creature. He's a new creation. And since he's a brand new creation, old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. See, that, that new creature has, has new loves, has new faith. New, the flesh can only trust in the flesh. This new man can only trust in Christ. He, he's got new life. Everything's new. That's why I said there's got to be a difference, doesn't there? Because this new man, he's, he's, he's brand new. What a miracle that God would do this in the hearts of his people. We're created in Christ Jesus. Please don't ever forget this. Salvation is a work that God does for us and in us. And it takes both. It takes both. People would say, well, God only did a work for me. He didn't do a work in me. I'm sorry. God hadn't saved them. If God saves people, he does a work for them and in them. In them. So the believer is a brand new creature. He's a new nature and he's got new ways. And that brings me to the next thing Paul says. Back in our text, Ephesians 2, verse 10, we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Not by good works now, unto good works. Sinners are saved by grace, aren't they? They're saved by the work of Christ, his, his obedience, his death, his work for us and his work in us. And that salvation is received by faith without our works. That's the theme of the whole letter um, to the church at Rome, isn't it? Salvation is received by faith without our works. That's the theme of the whole letter. So God's people are saved without our works. But Paul says here we're, we're created to work. To work in the service of God. God has left his people in this world to be lights of, of the world. That's why the Savior said, let your light shine before men. This is a dark, 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 dark world. Let your light so shine before men. Do what you can. Do what you can to help others hear the gospel. Do what you can to, to support the gospel so that others can hear of Christ. Has it made a difference to you to hear of Christ? Huh? Huh? Is it the best news you ever heard? I mean, does it make a true difference to your heart? Well, do what you can so others can hear of it. Do what you can. God has left his people in this world to be the salt of the world. Now, salt is a preservative. You know why this world is preserved? I mean, how often, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but how, how often do I wonder, why has God put up with this? I mean, why didn't he just bring and just, just destroy this place? I mean, why, what's he waiting on? It's for the elect's sake. It's for the elect's sake. God does not destroy this world for his, the sake of his elect that's in it. He cannot destroy this world while his elect are in it. Just like that angel that laid hold, and that angel was Christ our Savior, laid hold on Lot and told him, get out of this place. I cannot destroy. I'm going to destroy this place, but I can't destroy it while you're in it. you got to get out of here. 
God doesn't destroy this world for the sake of his elect who aren't born yet. That he has ordained to give life and faith in Christ. He can't destroy this world till that his purpose is done. God's elect are the salt of this earth. The, the preservative. But you know, salt also makes food taste better. It's, uh, it's very interesting to me. Um, when you make a, a cake, it's sweet. But you know, you put a little pinch of salt in that thing to make it taste better. Salt makes food, ta- not, not just your eggs, not just your beans, not just salt makes food taste better in every way. Brethren, you're the salt of the earth. Do what you can to make this horrible world taste a little better to those around you. I mean, this world is a tough place to live. Isn't it tough? I mean, oh, it's brutal. Especially for the believer. Especially for the believer. Do what you can to make this place a little more tolerable for your brethren, for your sisters. You're the salt of the earth. My dear, dear friend, Jim Meadows, I mean, I wish I had nickel for every time Jim said this. I don't know why when Lord saved me, he didn't just take me out of this place. I'm so done with this place. I don't know why the Lord would, would just leave me here. It's so miserable. Why didn't the Lord, when he saved me, just take me out of this place? Take me to be with him. I said, Jim, I know why. Me and Janet need help. <laughs> we need help fixing up his house. We need... God's left you. This is why God left you here. This is why he hadn't taken you to glory yet. So you be the salt of the earth. Take that seriously. Do what you can to make this place a little easier. To make this journey a little easier for your fellow pilgrims. And you know what? Not only will it be a blessing to them, you'll find it'll be a blessing to you. Sometimes hard to tell. Who, who gets the, the greater blessing? The one being helped or the one that the Lord's enabled to be the helper? <laughs> Sometimes hard to tell, isn't it? That's not the flesh. That's not true of the flesh. It's true of the spirit. All right, here's the fourth thing about good works. God has ordained good works for his people. Paul says, which he, God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, God saved his people by his grace, but he's ordained them unto good works. Now, you notice the order? First comes salvation, doesn't it? Then comes good works. Good works are not the cause of salvation. They're the fruit of it. They're the result of God's salvation. And say we do a good work. Say we do a good work. We can't take credit for it, can we? Because God's the one who ordained we do it. <laughs> so we can't take credit for it. And every believer thinks, I can't do good works. I mean, other people can do, do good works. Other people, they have more resources. Other people, they have more skills and talents and things. They can do good works, but I can't. You know what? If God's ordained you to do them, you will. You sure will. And you're going to do it by his power and his might, not your talent and not your resources. Let me show you that. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Verse 13. For it is God 
which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you have any desire to do something helpful, God put that desire in you, didn't he? And if you have any ability to carry it out, God gave you the strength to carry it out. See, it's done by, by, the, by the will and the strength of God, so we just can't take any credit for it, can we? No, the God's ordained that we should, should do those things. And then here's the last thing. A believer is to walk in good works. God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now don't think if I can find one good work to do, one way to help out, my work's done. Don't think, well, once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll try to do something. A believer is to walk in good works. Remember how Paul said before we walked in sin? We walked after the course of this world. We walked after the prince of the power of the air. All we did was sin. All we did was try to find new ways to sin and new ways to satisfy that lust to sin more. Well, now, by God's grace, you're a new creature. You got a new walk, don't you? You got new desires. Well, walk in righteousness. Walk in good works the same way you used to walk in sin. Walk in good works all of the time, seeking out new ways to be helpful, seeking out new ways to help God's people, seeking out new ways to to, to help the gospel. Now, let me give you this in closing. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Here's the thing about good works, and this is a a good way to kind of end and remind us of this. Do you know people who have truly done good works, Do you know they don't know they've done them? They don't know how many good works that they've done. Because they're not keeping score. (laughs) The people who are keeping score are the unbelievers who depend upon their works. The believers not keeping track of their good works because they're not depending on, on them. They're depending on Christ the Savior. They do good works simply to be helpful. Simply because they love their brethren and care about their brethren. Let me show you that. Matthew 25 verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer. Answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When did we ever see thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? I don't remember doing any of those things. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, And as much as you've done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, unto my body, you've done it unto me. See, the righteous didn't do these things in order to be saved, did they? They did these things. That was the evidence God had saved them. But look at verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and he gave me no meat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Lord, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. They kept score, didn't they? They knew how many times they'd done those things because they're dependent upon them. And then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you did it not unto one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. Now that's what a good work is. I pray God give us the spirit to do that with the right attitude and the right motive for one another. All right, the Lord bless you.